It is the dregs. We are in person again, which is a very nice feeling, guys. It but, is. But we're not in my we're not in my place. But we're back in New West. Yeah. We are. Welcome back to New West. Into the fine office of our guest today, Jordan Foss of Steel and O. If you want to call it an office. It's a great office, dude. It's more like a rundown loft that looks like somebody's sad basement, but I don't I like it. I see somebody's photo with a spear fishing getup over there. Yeah, and- that's Brian when he was fishing in Australia. Uh, it's actually turned into a place where, I mean, you can't see this because you're listening to us, so it's bad audio, but oh, it's, basically, it's basically a mezzanine on top of the tasting room that we've done our best to insulate so that you can't hear us walking around uh, upstairs when you're downstairs having a beer. And it has turned into a place where if you have something in your house, they're like, do I throw this out or give it away? I'll just take it to the brewery and let it live there. <laughs> yeah. Like a cotton candy machine and all this other random stuff. So yeah, we actually yeah. had, funny enough, this is super tidy. We had a big clean day on Friday because there was too much stuff that people just brought from home. And uh, like somebody's grandfather's old rocking chair and stuff like that. So, so yeah. when's the Steel and Oak yard sale? Yeah, was, right. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. Cool we, we just put it on Craigslist for free and then people just come and take it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Is the rocking chair gone? The rocking chair is gone. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a nice, like, post brew day, like, wind down spot. Like, it, yeah, right. On the rocking you chair. You should have kept it. Yeah. You should have kept it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it does the trick up here. It's not perfect, it's not super professional, but. Neither are we, so. <laughs> I think if you post a job, a steel note job on LinkedIn, you just call it an open concept mezzanine. Yeah, people And then you that. leave out all the, the other stuff right? and With it beer? sounds pretty professional. Exactly. And it sounds like a tech firm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is now a software company. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just saying, Jordan, it's great to see you. You too, uh, yeah. Because the last time we saw each other was Victoria Beer Week, February of 2020. Yeah. And that was 12 years ago. Right, pretty much. <laughs> I definitely feel like I've aged twelve years. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking fantastic. Oh, Kevin. thank you, oh, thank oh, you. I mean, I still got my face for radio, so there's not much <laughs> I can do. But really, I mean, how you been? Really, is my first. Question. Yeah, I mean, I've been up and down. Yeah. Like to say that 2020 doesn't sound that long ago, but I was everybody listening probably feels like it feels like eons ago. Like it's it's, you know, a lot has happened, but it's also gone by fast. But I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing good now, I think. Yeah. Ask me in a month. But like, yeah. it's been, yeah, it's been wild ever since. I mean, I remember the, yeah, it was it was 2020. And I remember going back to Victoria a month and a half later. And I was in Victoria when this whole thing went down. Yeah. And I remember I was with my family, with my wife and our two kids. And we were at a hotel and trying to get Herald Street, our Victoria brewery up and running. And then we're like, we better leave. Yeah. Like it was that eerie where like we left a day early. I remember getting on the ferry, not getting out of the car, coming to Steel and Oak. It was Sunday and we were the busiest I can possibly remember. Like it was like people were drinking like it was the end of the world. And then <laughs> and then Monday we shut, right? Like well, it, it felt like it, right? People were drinking like it was the end of the world. It was. Several months. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. yeah. Long drawn out end. <laughs> yeah. But, exactly. but, but yeah, like, yeah, in, in Victoria, yeah, I have a photo of you and I with... Ben from Daggerad yep. and Michael from Cat 12. And like, yeah, that was the last beer event I was at. Yeah. So, yeah. I think for yeah. many of us, it was. Too. And it was at the Drake as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and it's, yeah, I remember clearly. And then I remember just, yeah, not really understanding what we were supposed to do and, and just shutting it all down and then slowly laying everybody off that worked here, except for myself. Well, actually laid myself off first, um, but I was still working. So I guess 
technically I'm volunteering at that point in time. And it was just Brian, Daniel, Eric, and I just uh, four of us trying to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was heartbreaking and it was awful. At the same time, it showed me how amazing our team is. Like everybody just kind of knew what was going to happen yeah. and they were okay with it. And it made it actually more difficult, like because they weren't angry about it. They're like, no, this is what we got to do. And and then, yeah, we sh- kind of shut it down and just operated on autopilot for a bit, just trying to get beer to liquor stores and, and deliver to people's houses. And then all of a sudden, like you said, everybody started drinking a lot, <laughs> yeah. and then, which was like for us, I mean, we were able to bring everybody back, right? Like it was, it was great for us because the amount of people, the amount of alcohol people were going through was insane. Right. So it allowed us to kind of rebound pretty quick, just in a different way, I guess. So before like we get into the the details of that time too, like the question that's immediately on my mind, because the first time we met was when you were my fourth episode of my podcast, Yeah, which would you believe was 2016. Yeah. Um, So what would you say has been the fastest growth period for you as a company? Was it in that time between 2016 and 2020, or has it been 2020 to now? Um, so it, it would have been 2016 to 2020. And but and let me see if I can frame this in. Okay, so the fastest growth, the fastest growth period we had was from 2016 to 2019. And like just insane growth. And then in 2019, everything in the industry kind of leveled a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely not a correction, but like we weren't growing at the same rate. And some of us got caught. Like, admittedly, we got caught a little bit having like probably overstaffed a bit, planning for the same amount of insane growth the next year and then being like, oh, okay, here we are. We're not growing as fast. From an actual beer production point of view and revenue point of view, that was the fastest growing years. But in 2020 to 2021 and a half, let's call it halfway through, package sales were the fat, like the the biggest growth they've ever been. So if 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 it wasn't for the fact that we used to sell a lot of draft to restaurants, um obviously we have a fairly busy tasting room most of the time, then you know, the last couple of years definitely would have been, you know, the fastest growing years is from a package point of view, there's no competition for sure. Looking back because as a business you compare year over year and it's difficult because like, well, why aren't we selling as much packaged beer this month as we did last year, last month? And Brian has to remind me. He's like, well, because we, we were shut <laughs> yeah. down. No one could come in here. So yeah. that was Got the only way they could get beer. Yeah, right? it? <laughs> so it's difficult to plan. But so I guess there are two different types of growth phases. But yeah, it's nothing will, nothing will compare to from, from 2015 to like 2019. Yeah, because, because the reason why I asked that is I had bunch of people asking me like, well, aren't breweries just doing fantastic because of the pandemic? Because all they saw through their social feeds was people getting flats of beer delivered to them <laughs> by yeah. yourself. Yeah. I, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, so. it, it was different, right? Like I think, so it depended, it depended on what kind of brewery you were. And so if you were a brewery that is bigger than us, that was super draft heavy, you probably had a tough time mm-hmm. because you lost all of those draft accounts immediately you had all this inventory in kegs. You have all these these cal- sh- or shells that you you own with nothing in them. You probably have sales team that isn't able to do anything. So I think if you were one of those breweries, even though your your package probably went up, it's probably a bit more of a tougher time. I think too when you're large, you don't have the ability to. I mean, I'm not going to use it, but pivot as quick. And so for us, we were able to just be like, well, we you know this is this is we're able to start delivering beer tomorrow. Yeah. Right. To people's houses because we have two vans and I know how to set up a Google sheet. 
And that's how we did it at the beginning, right? It was just a Google Sheet that you signed up on. Eric actually took my personal order. And did I he? Had, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I had to buy through you, put his name on the order sheet. Oh, really? Yeah. And then like give him a code that identified me as the delivery. So, yeah. And, 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 Eric, <laughs> and then Eric turned up at my house with my orders. So, yeah. Yeah. And then all yeah. of us it's called an MVP, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> And we basically all just shut down Shopify, right? Because yeah. we were, everybody went to Shopify real quick. But I think if you're a big, you probably had a tough time in a different way. I think for us, we were fortunate enough that, um, and this is a little inside baseball, but I'm assuming a lot of the listeners know the industry. For a brewery of our size, we probably sold a little too much draft for how big we actually were, which means that we would have probably needed to grow at least one and a half times the size we currently are for the amount of draft we sold to actually make financial sense. For some of it, I don't even know if we were probably making money off of it when we were sell- selling a keg to, to, you know, to Nanaimo or to, right. to, you know. And then good luck getting that keg back too, right? For so. sure, right? <laughs> Who knows how much inventory we've, we've lost in just keg shells, right? Yeah. And so for us, going into the pandemic, we had already discussed dialing back draft considerably. I actually really believe in draft. I think it helps move packaged. I love seeing our beer on tap. I love going to a restaurants and and drinking beer or wine or whatever. And then plus your margin is your tasting room too, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were already making a philosophical decision that we were going to dial draft back and focus in the tasting room and packaged. And the pandemic just allowed us to do like a hard stop and really relook at our business. And we were a little bit lucky because one of my sales reps, Jay, had just moved on. And so I was actually down a salesperson, which was nice because I would have had to lay somebody off for sure. And so I was able to not have to do that. So yeah, I think, you know, I think some some did better than others. I will admit that like, you know, we were one of the lucky businesses that went through this thing. And, and I, you know, there was definitely the first month I was, you know, in tears. Like, am I going to lose everything that I have? Am I going to lose, you know, the business? Are everybody going to lose their jobs? Like, what are these people going to do? Because when we went past that two weeks to flatten the curve, then uncertainty really set in. Yeah, (laughs) right. You just don't know. You're like, I hope the government helps with this. I hope that people buy beer here. And, And I think we just chipped away and it worked. But I will say that like last, last fall, things have definitely chilled out a lot. Right. And, and so I think, you know, that uptick is definitely leveled way off. In fact, last fall, I think was definitely the worst fall we've had from beer sales point of view, even, you know, previous years to the pandemic. I think people went for it and then they're like, okay, let's dial it back a little bit for a little while. Right. So, yeah, makes sense. Now, I imagine when during the pandemic, when all these breweries started pivoting to package, focusing on package product and a lot like yourselves are now going out and delivering them themselves every day, right? There must have been some challenges that came up from everyone pivoting to package, oh, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, I think the, the biggest challenge for many was access to canning, right? right. And you know, we had been partners with uh, with West Coast Cans, who are now Vessel for for years. And we were fortunate that even going into the pandemic, we had like a very solid Tuesday's our day, Tuesday's Steel and Oak Day. You're here. We'll can everything we need. We need to keep that day. And so we were able to keep that canning run with them. But I mean, if you were a small brewery that wasn't used to canning product, that was right. a tasting room only good luck getting a mobile canning service in, right? And so I think a lot of breweries in the US included too, 
everybody switched and started buying, were able to at least get financing for, for their own canning lines. Yep. So even folks like Wild Goose, who's the canning line that we ended up buying, like they were like, it was took forever to get that, right? Because everybody was doing the same thing. So I think number one challenge was just being able to secure cans and being able to package. The second issue and hiccup, I think we might not have felt it as much just because we've been around for a while. But if you're a new brewery, taste room only, and you switch to package only, you're trying to get on a liquor store shelf and no one really knows you in liquor store land, it's yeah. difficult, right? You haven't built that brand up. You haven't built up that customer base. Yeah, it's a difficult yep. pivot. So, you know, I think for us, like with the draft thing, we kind of just got a little lucky because we were in that pocket of like, we've been around long enough that we we're able to just keep beer packaged going. We had the relationship to get it into the cans and we had the relationships to get it on shelf and people were drinking more. So it just yeah. kind of was, was easy. Right. So, yeah. yeah, but I mean, there were definitely plenty of challenges. Like, you know, I mean, we all know aluminum's gone through the roof. It's so expensive now for cans. There were definitely like product shortfalls where sometimes we wouldn't have what we needed. The initial issue was we all had beer and kegs and we couldn't sell it. So we're like, well, how do we, can we get beer out of a keg back into a tank and make it taste good? <laughs> I, we, we tried and we're like, nah, I don't think so. And like, so you're like, okay, well, we better dump this. Right. And you know, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, there's definitely bumps. Yeah. That's something I didn't even think about, but I can imagine there's all sorts of carbonation. You should have just, should just got giant labels and sold <laughs> right? them as yeah. cans. Yeah. 50 liter cans. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> get them now. You could get a 24, you could 24 can flat of beer or we, yeah. got, this we got this 50 liter keg. That yeah. You we'll can it for you when we yeah. arrive in your, in your driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you drink it within 24 hours of opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Definitely, yeah, 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 so. How much do you feel that New West itself was factor in your pulling through the... Oh, the man, that's my wheelhouse, that question. I, I know you, like, <laughs> yeah. Deal and Oak is like, you think of New West. Yeah, I might be a bit biased. I just live up the block here. But, like, community is huge for a brewery. And I feel like, you know, breweries in Vancouver have community and stuff, but there's a lot of breweries in Vancouver. New West... Not as many. No. And no. Steel and Oak is one of those things that kind of goes hand in hand with New West. If somebody says New West, you think Steel and Oak, you know, the Ford dealership. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Kruger. <laughs> wild, Scott wild time. Well, yeah. Kruger. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, we obviously like we're fortunate that like we live in and work in the same community. So um, it's really easy for us to like it's no bullshit. Like and I think that comes across in the brand and New West supported us feverishly they always have but like this was this was next level like we would have people coming that didn't even want to drink and yet and would buy just gift cards just to make sure that we would stay afloat and you know the amount of home deliveries we would do was was so wild especially at the beginning like we'd have to have like a couple drivers on the road and people were just nice about it too like it was clunky right like we're not a logistics well we are a logistics company but we're not a home delivery company like amazon so you're calling people thankfully everybody's working from home so it wasn't like you would miss deliveries, but people were just really cool about it. It kind of gave me this, like, the first feeling was obviously like, hey, what if we lose this place? Like, what if this is the end and this is how it all goes down? And then once I came to the conclusion, I'm like, well, like, if that's the way it's going to go, at least it wasn't my fault, right? Like, this is, you know, it's, it's, but then I'm halfway through delivering all these beers to New West. I'm like, man, I'm like, I bet you New West would buy this brewery from me if it got really bad. And I was like, I need to raise money. <laughs> Can everybody just ship in, right? Like, that's what it felt like. It felt like they were just trying to protect their own, you know, their own thing, right? And I think I've always thought of Steel and Oak that way is that like, 
we're only here for New West. That's the only reason why. For sure, I get a kick out of it, and it's fun. We have a great team, and like, you know, and every day I'm like, okay, well, how do we make this place bigger and better so that we create opportunity for our team here because they're so awesome. But the reality of it is, is that like we created this spot because we wanted New West to have something to be proud of. And it stopped being mine and Jamie's brewery a long time ago. It's been New Westbury for a while now. And we just happen to be the, I just happen to be the person that runs it at this point in time. Right. And so it felt like that, man. It was like, there were so many nights where I was like, you, I think probably a lot of people got pretty emotional around this. Like you start to think about life. You start to think about what's important. What, what are you doing with your life? Like, you know, do you need to change? Do you, you know, I should exercise more. I should do this less. I should hug my kids more often and, and all that. And, and. I think for me, like there were definitely lots of emotional moments where we'd look at all these orders coming in from all these people and being like, wow, these people are actually just like making an effort to make sure that we make, make it through so that we're there on the other end for them. Right. And so, yeah, it felt awesome. Do you think your customer base in New West actually grew maybe over, over the pandemic? Definitely. Yeah, I definitely think it did. I think home delivery actually, cause we don't actually do a lot of home delivery now, but home delivery, I think really helped us reach a different audience that may not have. Yeah. I think because doing home delivery was a big story here. And so I think people, I'm still amazed. Lots of people in the US don't realize that we have a taste room that you can actually come and drink at, right? And so they know who we are, but they mm -hmm. just assume that like, well, can we get you the BCL? Like, that's the question. And I think once they realize like, oh, these guys will just deliver directly to my my house or my, my like Victoria Hill, which is like a condo development, like it's a neighborhood within the US. Well, I could open a brewery there. Like they they bought so much beer in that area, right? <laughs> and and so mini satellite brewery, yeah. Victoria Hill. But we hustled first. too. Like we the first thing we did once we got our feet under us with the home delivery, we just went old school and I printed up we printed up oh, I bet you it was maybe like five thousand like just postcards that were just like and it was like me on the cover with the beer and being like, We will deliver to your house. And we just hand delivered them to people's houses. And I had all these friends that were either laid off or they were teachers that weren't working or whatever. And so like we'd give a stack of a thousand to my buddy, Neil, and he'd be like, okay, I'll do Sapperton. And then we'd give, you know, stack to my friend, Angie. And she's like, okay, I'll do Massey. And like, we would just plan routes and they would all just for free hand deliver these, these things, just like steel and oak delivers, steel and oak delivers. And so it all helped. Like we definitely worked at it, but but in a different way that I never thought we would be doing, right? You know. And you were the deliverer, well, like one of one of many. Yeah. Oh, for and, sure. Yeah. And so I want to know, like, you know, the terrible buildings and stairwells in New West, I'm sure. And how many flats <laughs> did you get to by carrying up the stairs? Because oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely my back would have, was sore by the end of the day, and yeah. and like we and the nice thing about New West is it's small, it's condensed, right? Yeah. So you can actually do quite a few deliveries. But sometimes people would really want to support, so like they would buy a couple flats. <laughs> oh, <shit>. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, and maybe they give them to their neighbors or uh -oh. so like, you'd be trying to lug these flats up these stairs or, or whatever. I would get lazy every once in a while, call the person be like, I'm down at the front, like your front entryway. <laughs> this is your down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely like, I mean, I'm not as young as I used to be. And we have younger people here that have stronger backs than I do. And so it was fun at the beginning. And then at the end, it was like, well, I would love somebody else to do this for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think the coolest thing about it though, is like, I haven't worked in the tasting room since we opened, right? Really? Like maybe I was out there for the first year or so. So I'm a little more disconnected from like the people that actually drink our beer, right? Got young kids at home. So generally I'm I'm gone by five and, and I don't normally come in on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So hand delivering beer to people's doors was like a nice reintroduction to like 
why 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 do we do this yeah. formal survey yeah it's like why yeah and it reminds you that it's fun it reminds you that people enjoy your beer right you get yeah. so worked up trying to figure out the the inner workings of running a company that you kind of like forget like how cool it is to watch somebody drink something that you've made or somebody here has made much better than I could have. And, uh, but they enjoy it. Right. And you feel like you're part of that. So yeah, that's how I imagine we will feel when we witness somebody listening to our podcast. <laughs> Definitely. Smiles on their faces <laughs> one day. right now. <laughs> uh, one day we'll have to go up to Quinell for that. Yeah. We're, we're big, big in Quinell. Yeah. We're big. We're big. Really? In yeah. Cool. <laughs> my, my parents live there. So oh, okay. I mean, we've got two listeners there. <laughs> that's so. great. We have more than two great. downloads. There, so. uh, that's awesome. So with once once that was getting underway and things were kind of stabilizing and we had that kind of false summer. Yeah. And the tasting room opened again. Like what what was that experience like for you? Oh, and, with like patio and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, it was nerve wracking at the beginning. It was nerve wracking for the team because I don't mm. think they they were excited to get back to work. But of course, no one really knew still what like COVID would do to people, right? And so there was definitely like- but We still didn't have a vaccine at this point. No, yeah, there was anxiety, yeah, yeah. right? And yeah. the nice thing about summer is that like, or the fall summer at the beginning was that the numbers started to come down. So I think few people gained confidence. And of course we had the outdoor space. And so it was, it was awesome. It was also awesome because we were able to build an outdoor space. Yeah. So it was just nice to be able to be like, well, you're not just coming back to Steel and Oak and you're spread out, you're coming back to this new thing that we now have, right? And, yeah. and, and, and that's thanks it. to the municipality here too, right? Because there was other places that had a hell of a time getting patios, right? So. Yeah, no, there, I mean, every city has it has its challenges. And I think New S Challenge is a small city. And so, you know, it's 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 like running a small company there. You, everybody has a little bit of everything. And mm. so, but the nice part of that is that you can generally get in touch with somebody quickly that knows what to do. And they're really good at like, they know where you want to go, and so they're good at working backwards and being like, hey, well, this is the challenge you're going to run into and this is how we'll fix it. And this is. Yeah. And so they're pretty good about holding your hand to get to that that point. They don't really get lost in a ton of there is red tape, but they don't get lost in it. They're like, mm. OK, well, here's how we get around it for now while you go through the process to do this for real. Right. Yeah. So they were awesome. Like, I mean, as soon as those patios were ready to go and we were allowed to do it, like the city like was the same day. They're like, yeah, go for it. You go ahead. The only reason why it took us a while is because I didn't want to be the first brewery to open. I want to see what would happen with others first. Yep. And because um, there, there's nothing worse than opening and having to shut down again two days yeah, later. So, yeah. People and then oh, yeah. 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 And we wanted to make the patio really good. Yeah. Right. Like we didn't. And this is no shade on anybody that, you know, did what they had to do and put like, you know, cones up in the road and whatever. But like we just wanted it. It's already kind of in an ugly area in this industrial park. So we just wanted it looked dope. And so we're like, well, let's, let's, we think we're going to be fine. Let's sink a little bit more money into this. The city in US seemed really keen to let us keep it long term, even after COVID was done. So we're like, well, we're pretty confident that we're going to be able to, to hold on to this. So why not put something into it so that, you know, it's fun and it looks good when people get there. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, I've been on some bad patios, been on some really good ones too. Yeah. And you guys are in that good, that good range. So yeah, it feels great out there. And like, I don't think we realized how much we needed the patio until we had it. And we're like, Whoa, shit, this is what it's like. Yeah, and you because get patio. One of my favorite things you guys do in the summer is like your block party in the mm. back and oh, yeah. like just the outdoor experience. June stuff, 26th. So. Yeah. So, so it's coming that, back. Yeah. We're going to, we're doing it again. June 26th, Sunday. So unreal. Yeah. And so, is there going to be a, a birthday party following as well? 
Does that usually happen in July? Yeah, July will be our birthday party. So we'll have some anniversary beers released there. We'll probably do another little mini event. We're definitely going to do, we're going to try and get it in while we can, right? Yep. Like we're yeah, definitely yeah. planning a few things. We don't have as large of a team as we did before the pandemic. So it's definitely a little more all hands on deck, which has been kind of fun because we're all a little bit more attached to the place now. And so, yep. you know, we've got everybody from like, well, myself to Eric, our head brewer, to my accountant, Melinda, Brian, Dan, like Shell Air Taster Manager, and JB, who who did a bunch of the home deliveries in the early days and works at Taste Room, does kind of events out front, just like brainstorming ideas. And so we'll work on it together to get it going on. Um, so we're hoping to have a few fun things. I think New Us will be a pretty fun spot this year. I know like the downtown BIA is really keen on getting things going again. So I think there'll be lots to do. Just fingers crossed that everything goes well and we're we're still doing that in August. And yeah. Yep. And so. hopefully the weather holds out because I mean, at the time of taping, we have threats of snow here in, in mid-April. Okay. So, so I'm going to go on a bit of a sidebar here because <laughs> this is really frustrating to me. So <laughs> this is why I don't check the weather. <laughs> During the pandemic, like we were just home a lot, right? And we're lucky. We're fortunate. We have a house. Yeah. And we bought this place in 2010. Don't worry. Steel and Oak's not doing that well. I could not buy a house today. Uh, and this was when I had my other job beforehand, before I got sunk everything into this place. Anyway, so we have this house and we started garden like we started a vegetable garden in the front right kids are old enough now they kind of get into it and so we're planting those vegetables and we went on the weekend and we got some seeds but the kids like instant gratification so we got like some already started like plants and my son jude's like wanted tomato plants even though it's like tomatoes but anyways he wanted these tomato plants but on the tomato plants it says basically warning be gentle like not they're not frost tolerant right and i'm like fuck it's not gonna it's not gonna there's no frost and so we planted yeah. them i planted them yesterday and then uh. i woke up and i'm like whoa what the hell right yeah. are they done was there frost last night it was frost last night oh, at least our place there was so i'm hoping maybe they made it through and yeah. but i was so so angry <laughs> so yeah hopefully the weather holds yes yes but even then like on the threat of rain you guys have had cover back there and it's been a good party on for sure like, yeah. yeah i mean we've done it come on we live before. in the pacific northwest people but, will yeah. drink beer in their arcteryx jackets come yeah. On. yeah i think this year will be like, I think this year at least will be one of those years where like, even if it rained, I feel like people are just yeah. going to suck it up. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But hopefully it's sunny. Yeah. Are you, are you guys planning on going to some of the, I know there's a few beer fests that have been announced recently too. They're coming back. Are you planning on, on going to those as well? Yeah, we're going to go to a few. That's kind of one of the other things that's happened during the pandemic is just, I think everybody's reevaluated. Like we were doing so many events before and it was so hot. You almost had to need to have a person that just did that. Yeah, it was a full-time team, job. Full-time yeah. gig, right? Yeah. And then of course it dies down in the fall, winter. And you're like, well, what do you do with that person? Yeah. So we're a little bit choosier now just for the first year, just to make sure that we can handle it. Yeah. But we'll do, we'll go back to VCBW. We'll do VCBW. We didn't do Vic Beer Week this year just because I couldn't get my acting gear to do it. Uh, we'll do Farmhouse Fest, which is great. So it was nice to be invited back to that. Um, we'll do Fort Langley Beer Festival because my friend Lance at Trading Post puts on a good festival. That one's fun. I don't think we'll do Whistler this year just because it's a pretty big budget thing for us to do to get everybody up there. So I think we've got like three or four in the docket and then we'll do our own thing here. I think we'll do an analog, which is our vinyl fair. We'll bring that back if things yeah. are going well. Beauty. We'll do some new West events this year. There used to be a weekly event called Fridays on Front that used to happen here. It wouldn't happen on Front Street, but I'm hoping that they'll continue to do kind of like a Friday, excuse me, street party in New West. And we're normally the beer supplier for that. So I think we'll do that. So we'll have plenty on the go. But yeah, we're definitely looking forward to getting back out there. We'll go to GCBF if uh, if they're doing it again in Victoria. That's a fun event. And I'd like to get back out to Victoria to be able to do that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah just before we move on. And go on to other things. So, I mean, you mentioned that you had to let some people go in the yeah. beginning. What kind of rough percentage would you say? How many people came back 
Well, everybody that we laid off came back, which right. is great. So amazing. congratulations. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. And of course, like, I mean, is any, we're also, most breweries are, you know, we're a company where young people come to work a lot of the time and younger people, a lot of times, especially in the taste room, you know, they're going to school, they're looking for their full-time job that they want. And so we've definitely had people move on since the pandemic, but everybody that we laid off going into the pandemic, we we're able to bring all of them back, which is great. Most of them are, are still here. Oddly enough, I mean, maybe not oddly enough, I guess the pandemic kind of brings everybody closer together or drives you completely apart, depending on how <laughs> yeah. it's one extreme um, or the other. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, um, yeah. A time of extreme. Yeah. But but for us, the team we have right now is super tight. It's the tightest team we've ever had at Steel and Oak. Um, just like any business, you know, there you always have good people, but it doesn't necessarily mean they all jive really well together. And this team's great. Anybody can work any shift and be cool, right? Like, yeah, right? yeah. So th yeah. this team actually enjoys hanging out with each other, and it's so which right. is nice, right? And they've kind of made it through this thing together too. So there's definitely a bond that I feel that I haven't felt in the eight years that Steel Nook's been around, maybe outside of when we first opened, right? So yeah, so we've been able to bring everybody back from an operational point of view. We probably operate about eighty percent overall the amount of people we had before. Like we're pretty small. So like I, you know, we went from two full-time salespeople to I have a half sit like a right. part-time salesperson. So it's like things have we've shifted how we've done business. I think everybody has. So the need to see people all the time is kind of still not there yet. And so yeah. we're able to do a lot more from the desk, which is good. Allows us to streamline a bit. The brew team is a bit of a tighter team because we aren't kegging as much. We're not, you know, everything's going through. The, we've got our own canning line now too. So we've definitely been able to streamline a few things. So yeah, yeah. When can we see the Steel and Oak delivery drones? Oh. <laughs> yeah, whenever any, and when anyone wants to give me some money for that, for sure. Yeah. I'd love a delivery drone. That'd be you just got to get them secondhand from Bezos, man. He's yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I've done that delivery. When we, when we didn't have a delivery driver, when like we didn't have a delivery driver kind of partway through the pandemic and there was this weird, blip where you could go to restaurants again for a bit. Yep. And I remember doing the delivery run like downtown Vancouver on a Friday afternoon and being like, I called Brian, who's our, our operations manager. I'm like, you need to take the delivery team out for dinner because this job is awful and they deserve <laughs> like it, like trying to park like on Hastings on Friday afternoon. No, and this is during pretty, a pandemic. It yeah. wasn't even that busy. It was still like it's awful. So dr drone me up. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. But I do want to say like, congratulations that you have cultivated that team that has been so loyal to you. And, and I, you. I think that just says everything about the culture of the company as a whole. Right. So appreciate that. Uh, like, yeah, that is, that's, that's huge that the community supported you in that time. And not only that, your staff by yeah. coming back, right. Because they all could have found other jobs in the, in the interim. Oh, right. So, so easy to be bitter in this pandemic yeah too, right yeah so which which yeah. the silver lining speaking is. from experience shut the hell up <laughs> just a bitter no. old man over here? not bitter but i mean like just hearing your story even though it was definitely a struggle for you guys yeah. um, it seems like it was a silver lining to kind of really streamline some stuff that probably wouldn't necessarily have been addressed right definitely it was uh yeah i mean we were able to make you know lemonade out of lemons and and definitely look at the business of like, well, what do we want this place to be like coming out of the pandemic, right? And yeah. what is it really here for? And I think sometimes when you're growing super fast, you start to lose track of like why you're doing it because you're just so focused on hyper growth that you convince yourself that it's going to be 180% growth every year, right? For so, sure, yeah. right? And then and you it's going to go forever. Yeah. And like, you start making decisions yeah. that you might not have made early on. And you're like, well, no, well, let's just send beer here, right? I'm sure it'll be fine. And it, it's just, so pandemic made us kind of 
you know, take a step back and rethink. And I think to what you said about culture, I think the one thing that we've all been able to experience during the pandemic is like company culture has been in the limelight a lot, right? And especially in our industry. And so like, I think makes you reflect and make sure that like, just really, really, I mean, at least if you're doing your job, it makes you really dive deep into like, okay, are we doing the right, are we doing the right things? Are we giving people opportunities? Are we making sure that they have a voice that they can talk to if they don't feel comfortable talking to somebody here? Is this place set up the right way? And I think for a lot of us starting small businesses, and especially in this industry, which can be pretty relaxed, I think you go into it having this dream that it's just going to be easy, like kind of just a a relaxed kind of atmosphere and everybody's going to be okay. But the reality of it is, is it's still a business that needs structure and it needs, it needs avenues for people to be able to like, I have an issue. Who do I talk to? Yeah. I, you know, how do I, how do we solve this? I believe in this. Who, you know, who's going to stand up for me? Right. And so I think it's just obviously it's been under the microscope for good reason. I think Mm -hmm. it makes all of us just look internally and be just be like, okay, are we, are we doing the right things? How can we improve? You know? And, and so that's kind of what, you know, I've been doing over the last couple of years and, and, and we're fortunate we just got a good team and, and we're a pretty open company. So I like to think that it's a great spot to work and that people have the ability to, to share their, their, their thoughts and, you know, and, and do cool things. Right. Yeah. So, well, I say cheers to that. Oh, you're out. You're out. Well, we're all, uh, we're almost all, we're all out, which is amazing how much I've talked. I'm still able to go through this whole beer. Yeah. That just means it's time for a refill break. You're right. Yeah. And by the magic of editing. Yeah. (laughs) 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 All right. So that's Steel and Oak. Yeah. Congratulations on, on everything on making this happen. Thank you. But now... I think what we really want to find out is knowing what you know now. Yeah. Would you still want to open a brewery on an island? (laughs) I'd want to open a brewery on an island, but I wouldn't want to open a tasting room only brewery during a pandemic. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Um, (laughs) So this is Herald Street we're talking about. Yeah. Like, Um, I mean, and I I don't want to speak for my partners, Mike and Lee. Um, I can only, you know, because they're operating it and I can't even imagine. Well, I can't imagine because I know about it, but how difficult it is actually being on the ground over there. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like, okay, I'll, I'm going to do this in two parts. And I think one, let's, I want to talk about it without even pretending the pandemic didn't even exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what happened is, because there was delays up well, until then, because, because yeah. when, because when I saw you last in Victoria, oh, we were talking it took about forever. It, so, right. Yeah. And I was looking through photos. I'm trying to categorize or catalog all my Google photo, like all my photos go up to Google now. And, but they're a mess. And, so I'm trying to I'm trying to do a better job of editing and cataloging them. It's one of the projects I've got on the go. And so I look back on how long we've actually had. So we signed the lease for Herald Street in 2018, I think. And so in 2018, and that's they, that's a whole nother world. Yeah, in 2018. and the yeah. beer industry was in a totally different neighborhood. Like 2018 was one of our biggest growth years. Like you could have told me. You're like, well, let's do it. I'll be like, yeah, let's open it. Let's open it. Let's open it. Right. And like, especially Victoria being a very healthy beer scene too. For sure. But not having anything like this, not, right? Yeah, like yeah. this, it's a, it's a 170 seat behemoth with back then with a rooftop patio right away. I'm um, like, yeah. well, this thing is, is of course we are in, let's do this. Harold Street was an expensive venture because we wanted to do it right. And mm-hmm. we also had us and, and Mike and Lee from the Drake who like we have experience. We, you know, Jamie and I built this place basically with Pete, our original brewer. Like that's why it looks the way it does because we had to get it together for $650,000 and that's what we were able to do. Whereas like Herald Street is not that kind of place, right? It's, it's a different animal. And 
as things happen with our industry, it takes a long time. So 2018, we opened in December of 2020. Yeah. Wait, when did the pandemic start? It would have been December 2019 if it was before the pandemic. No, it was after the pandemic. So yeah. 2020. 2020. December yeah. 2020. Because when I saw you February 2020 in yeah. Victoria, your brewer had moved to town that week. Yes. And had just sannied the tanks. And you you guys thought that you were going to be up and running within a month. We just got memory is impact. That's great. I must yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> down to, down to no, the sanitizing of the tank. Yeah, because yeah. it all blends together for me a bit. I remember, because, yeah. yes, we, we put the tanks in. And then I remember I went to Hawaii with my wife and kids, came back, and then everything kind of hit the fan. So, yeah. So, I mean, Herald Street was an expensive venture going in. It got more expensive when we realized the amount of structural work that we'd have to do to make that rooftop patio s- secure. Because this is a historic building as well, too, right? Or <sighs> I don't know if it's a heritage building, yeah. but it's an old building. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and so basically what happened was is we got to a point where we're like, okay, what we could do is we can invest in the structural portion now mm-hmm. while the floors are open and we can do all that. Or if we can build it. And then when we have the money to finish the rooftop patio, we can shut down. Do, and we're like, no, we gotta, we don't want to shut down. And so we spent the money to do it originally. In Herald Street, you can't see it, but it actually has steel beams that run like maybe every 48 inches apart from each other. They're actually beautiful, but we had to cover them to make fire separation for the rooftop patio, unfortunately. So we had these awesome steel beams. And so there's just all this this cost that we didn't see coming. Yep. And we were able to make it work. We got it together. And I think if we had opened in any other time, it would have been just fine. But of course, we opened in 2020 in December, the height of restrictions. You know, I remember 2020 Christmas, like we didn't even get together with my, my parents. It was just not a good scene. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't think my partners would would be upset. And I don't think anybody that knows what they're talking about out there would they just call me a liar. They already know that Harold Street definitely struggles, right? It struggled because it just was not able to be what it was supposed to be. And the other issue with Harold Street is that it has this interesting, which in any other world is a good thing, but it's, a, it's part of the bylaw or the zoning. In New West and most light industrial spots, when you have a place like this, like Steel and Oak, only a certain percentage of your floor plan can be retail. And so for us here, I think it's 30 or 35% of the overall square footage. Not so they don't lose light industrial space and manufacturing to, to stores. Right. And in Victoria, in that area of Old Town where we got that place, one of the attractive things about it was they were trying to keep light industrial, but while trying to make that area more of a retail center because they're building condos all around it, right? And so it's the opposite, where only 30 to maybe 30% of the overall building floor plan or square footage is allowed to be manufacturing. <laughs> so we actually have, lim- we actually had, that's why it's so tight in there. It's because we had a limitation on how big the brew floor was going to be. So now we're like, okay, well, do we pivot to getting mobile canning in? Let's sell wholesale. Nothing that we were ever going to do before. We don't have kegs because the bright tanks are hooked right up to the tap, but we can't get them. It's impossible to get a mobile canner in there physically. You're basically mm-hmm. moving all the tables out. You're moving it into the the floor in the middle of the tasting room and trying to make it work. And also it's a new business. So you're not privy to all of the subsidies that the rest of us were. So the money that Steel and Oak would get, even though we were a bit healthier of a business, Herald Street wasn't allowed, wasn't able to get. Because you had no records to no. prove and what so, you did. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was it's it's it is still tough to this day because even though things are opening up and people are filling into Herald Street. 
now. You just had your first cruise ship last week in Victoria. I so. didn't even know that. That's yeah. great. Oh, <laughs> oh man, this is, we got to connect more. Yeah. <laughs> you could have been there handing out the Herald Street flyers, right? I should have yeah. been fifteen hundred, right? Yeah, I should have been. So yeah, so things are coming back. I mean, look, I have no, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't bullshit you guys either. I would just ignore the conversation altogether. But I have no doubt that Herald Street will be a good thing long-term and that it's going to be successful and that rooftop patio will get going eventually. Yeah. It's in too good of an area with too many condos going around it and we have too long of a lease. It'll be successful. Yeah. It's just, it's been a fucking shitty way to start. Yeah. It's been really hard. It's been really hard on my partners over there. Like it's easy for me to say it's been hard and I don't have to go over there and live it. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's one of those, you know, we're like, this is why people don't start businesses. Like it's, it's literally yeah. takes years off your life. Yeah. Right. And, and so, yeah, it's 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 going now. It's just we have a lot of catching up to do from, you know, all the the, the terrible, terrible months that we had of not being able to have anybody in our brewery, but yeah. being brand new too, right? I imagine people are just discovering you. For sure, now, 100%, right? yeah. Now that they're, they're going out again. Definitely, yeah. But yeah. I, th- I think going through something like that too, like, yeah, it sucks and it's, you know, not what you planned and hard, but I think it totally adds to that business culture that you've obviously cultivated here that Aaron touched on as well, right? If you're going, if you're opening a brewery like Herald Street in the middle of that, you have so much compassion for what went into it Oh yeah, for yourself, for all the employees, all the people involved from the, you know, people are, who are coming to do canning to builders who put in yeah. steel beams or whatever. So I think, I mean, there's, you know, both sides you can look at it and yeah, I don't want to wish that on you, but it was like, there's a good good side to everything. And I think judging by the way you talk and what you've built here, I, I think it'll be a success and yeah. a successful thing from that. Victoria is a cool community. I think I, I won't pretend to know it like I know New West because I don't. I'd love to get to know it. I'd actually like to, don't tell anybody New West, but I'd love to get to Victoria eventually and, and live there probably once my kids are older. But it's like, it's the same kind of community. Like they definitely want to mm-hmm. support their own. And we felt that from the people that did trades for us and and helped us out along the way you know, understanding that they're completing work going into a pandemic and being like, hey, if you can't pay this right now, like, let's just get going. Let's just get the doors open. Let's make it work. And so I don't know, like the pandemic is so often you look in the, in the news and you're like, oh, people are assholes. There's, you know, there's freedom convoys here and there's this and that. And, and whether, whatever side of the coin you, you're on, people are just mean to each other no matter what. But I mean, we've just experienced just an astronomical amount of kindness at both places, right? Yeah. So, you know, it hasn't been my experience, thankfully. And, and uh, yeah, and Herald Street will be fine. It's just, uh, yeah, it'll be one of those things we'll look back on and we'll be like, we deserve this. We deserve <laughs> to sit on <laughs> yeah, this yeah. rooftop patio and watch seaplanes land while drinking a beer, you know? It's just a bit of a slow burn. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, right? Yeah. And somebody able to have a campfire downstairs because there's fireproofing between yeah. floors. Yeah, <laughs> kidding. Oh, so In frustrating. Yeah, we, we had, like, so we could have got a spray, like this paint, fire separation paint, so you could have seen the beams. But it was so expensive that yeah. we just couldn't stomach it. Couldn't yeah, it sounds it. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Immediate limitation that came to my mind when you said only 30% of the space can be devoted to manufacturing. Is that actually able to cover the tasting room? Because personally, I have not been into Herald Street yet, so I can't imagine. Oh, it. like are we so. going to be able to make enough beer to support the tasting room? Yeah. I hope not. But <laughs> right now we can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it should be. I think it should be enough. Like we're able to squeeze a bunch of based on the volume that we do at Steel and Oak. And then I was just, you know, doing the math and it's Victoria's a busier spot. It's a busier location, about three times. Well, it'll be twice the occupancy once we have our occupancy increase here. Uh, But let's call it three times the occupancy with the rooftop. We should still be able to burn through. We may not make as many loggers as we do at Steel and Oak, but I think think it'll be fine. It's got 10 bright tanks, like 10 
they're 10 barrels, so like 12 hectoliter bright tanks. Yep. We've got seven or nine fermenters. I can't remember. So we have, we have definitely in production. We're able to stack them on top of each other, kind of yeah. like it's at brew hall. So we have production capability, but it'll always be a bit of a challenge, right? Just yeah. from like storage for raw ingredients to like, it'll always be just in time delivery. Yeah. We won't have secondary warehouse. Like we have at Steel and Oak where we can store our, store all our grain and stuff like yeah. that. Like it'll always be a bit of a logistical challenge, but but also there's just that ebb and flow in, of Victoria as well that I don't think a lot of people really realize of like in the, in the summer months, it is all hell's breaking loose in Victoria and then nothing <laughs> happens in the winter, right? Yeah, so. I think you really rely upon the university crowd in the wintertime, which I don't think I realized as much. And of course, they weren't even in, in school. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's like it's a literal dead zone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think we'll have a great spring, summer and City of Victoria has been pretty good to deal with, too. Cross your fingers. So just to back it up a bit, for a lot of listeners probably don't even really know the backstory to why you decided to partner with the folks at Drake Eatery, yeah. which has been around for a while. Great spot. Yeah. Kind of classic Victoria the watering hole. The go-to spot in Victoria. Yeah. yeah. But what was kind of the vision that when you when you looked at, hey, well, we want to open a spot in Victoria, second for you, second brewery, yeah. folks, Drake as well. What's kind of the vision behind Herald Street? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really great question. And Harold Street came out of the fact that I didn't actually like, it wasn't us wanting to open a brewery in Victoria. I wanted to open a Drake in New West. And so like, I love the Drake. And and even if we weren't in business with Mike and Lee, I would still love it like a second home. It just feels comfy. It feels welcoming, even though the beer list is still, still insanely nerdy. It doesn't feel like my parents go there when they go to Victoria. And, and it's not an intimidating spot. Not at all. Right. And kudos to Mike and Lee and their team for being able to do that because it's a tough challenge. Right. And so I was like, we need I need, we need this in New West. Like I need we needed the Drake in New West. And so I was at the Thirsty Chef, which if they have that come back, uh, that will be an event we'll do for sure, because it's great. I'm at the Drake and they beer pair of beer with great chefs food around Victoria and it's for charity. It's awesome. Anyways, so I was there. I had a few drinks because I was staying over. And I said to Mike, I was like, if you want to go into business together, I want to go into business with you. I want to open, I want to open something like this in New West. We need it. And Mike and Lee, oddly enough, have really close friends that live in New Westminster. And so um, I don't know if it's actually on the radar because they're island folk. But anyways, he humored me and was like, yeah, okay. And then I don't know if it was six months later or a year later, he called and was like, hey, I've got an idea. And it's not what you were thinking about, but this is what we're thinking about doing. And he's, and he's like, we've got this location and I think it'd be really cool. And here's the, here's the story behind it. And so I went out and met with Mike and Lee and then pitched it to my business partner, Steel and Oak Jamie. And we're like, yeah, we're, let's, let's do this. We're in. That's kind of how it began. And Herald Street is definitely a Mike and Lee vision. Jamie and I are minority partners in it. So we advise, but doesn't necessarily mean we have the final say. So any good vibes you have there know that that's definitely from them. And us just helping along the way a little bit as much as we can. Although during the pandemic, it's been, I felt like I haven't been able to help enough. But but yeah, so it kind of started there. And we were more really helping with the brewery side of things, right? They'd never run a brewery before. Yep. So we helped set it up. We took Eric over there. We, we landed all the equipment, put it in. And then we were fortunate enough that uh, we were able to hire Jean Benoit, who was our original brewer, helped us kind of consult and get it up and running, write recipes, really get it going. But he's from Quebec originally. And during the pandemic, it was pretty isolating for not yeah. knowing anybody or getting to meet anybody. And, and yeah. so, um, so we, we peacefully parted ways on good terms for everybody, decided to do some traveling with his partner and then make his way back to Quebec. 
And so we were able to bring in Alex Miller, and, and she's from Toronto originally. I shouldn't say she's from Toronto. I think she's from Ottawa originally, but she's she's brewed in, in Ontario. And her and her partner moved to Victoria. Her partner's going to law school. And so we were fortunate enough that she's coming to brew for us. And there was some nice crossover with her and Jean Benoit. And so now the beers are kind of her vision. And the spot is definitely the vibe in there is, is Mike and Lee and our partner, Ryan Bagma. And Ryan is was one of the original general managers at the Drake. And so he runs, he's the general manager of Harold Street. Now he kind of runs the show there. And, and Jamie and I just go over and help paint and do things when we're asked of and, and try and help things along. But you're selling yourself a bit short here. I feel We're just like. a couple of dummies that live over here and go over there and drink. <laughs> well, I mean, coffee. they've got the, I mean, it sounds like they've got kind of the local intel and expertise, right? Having, you know, opened yeah. the Drake and, and worked worked at the Drake for so long, but then you guys bringing your brewing know-how, like it seems like a pretty solid for sure. combination, right? Definitely. Opening one of these places, yeah. I think, and I know this firsthand is when we were opening Steel and Oak, I was going to make the beer. Like I was, I was a home brewer and Jamie was going to sell it, right? And that's how we were going to do it. And then we started looking at equipment and like steam boilers. And then I was like, wait, we're going to have to hook steam up to this. I don't know what I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And um, and so we're like, okay, we need to get somebody that knows what they're doing because I do not know how to set up a brewery, right? And so, yeah, it's difficult, right? And so once you kind of get the lay of the land, you're like, this is how we should set it up. This is the logistical issues we're going to run into if we do it this way. This is how it should look. Also, too, the thing with Herald Street is it's it's a bit of a showpiece, too, right? Like you sit there and you look at the brewery. Yep. And so that has its own challenges. And so it's 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 helping to have a marriage of what your expectations versus reality actually are for a working brewery to also be a working brewery while people are sitting there watching you work. We can't have steam blowing in their face, right? No, there's no steam. There's no, there's no steam boiler at, at Herald Street. Thank you. Okay. That. Okay. Yeah. Um, Squash those rumors. But yeah, you can't have caustic spraying people while they're sitting there trying to. So anyway, so they're definitely like, I mean, it's a great partnership. Like they, Mike and Lee definitely needed somebody to help them set up the brewery side yeah. and they know hospitality. And admittedly, that's something that Jamie and I don't have a ton of experience with. It's just something that the city of New West has afforded us to learn as we progressed as a yep. brewery. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great partnership that I know will work well long term. And, and we love Mike and Lee and, and. I'm just really, for them, I'm just really looking forward to having a nice busy spring summer because, you know, you think about the pandemic and, and what it's done to restaurants. And so, you know, you're running the Drake as well, yeah, which doesn't have the ability to sell wholesale beer yeah. uh, nope. and, and to pivot to home delivery and stuff like that. Yeah. And so they deserve a good spring summer. So if you're listening, go spend a ton of money at Harold Street and the Drake, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, in the fall summer there, I was over in Victoria and they did an excellent job of opening up the patio and bringing food down and everything yeah. at the Drake. And like that, yeah. was, that was definitely one of the nicest outdoor experiences oh, yeah. out of all of them. Yeah, Those so. folks hustle. And there's yeah. certain people that that are always looking for like opportunities within a challenge. Yeah. They're like, well, how do we get around this? Yeah. And a lot of people just give up and be like, well, this is the hand we're dealt with. I guess we just have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. But like Lee especially is great at being like, there's a workaround here that we could we could maximize something. But, I, we, but I hope they keep that courtyard going because I never realized there was a courtyard back there at the tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that will come down to a landlord thing. Yeah. I hope they get to keep it too, but I know it'll come down to a landlord thing. Yeah. Will a landlord allow it? Was there enough washrooms? It always comes down to how many bathrooms you have. Yeah. That's that's the one thing I've learned in this business. How many bathrooms <laughs> All do you have? All about the bathrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a great 
time to mention you're having a bathroom upgrade at the moment. We are. We spent all the bathrooms you need. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what's going on down there? I went in to use the washroom, and, and you had to use the portable there's... toilet outside, or oh, no, you there's some the saran wrap in my face. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one of the silver linings of the pandemic for Steel and Oak is that we got that patio, and one of my 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 close contacts that works at the city that's been nothing but helpful. And she's in economic development and she's been great at holding our hands through the pandemic. And even before that, I'm actually helping you develop economically. All right. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is kind of weird for a city to like, I mean, it sounds so silly (laughs) because most cities should do that, but they don't. They don't. No, no, they Uh, don't. And so we're fortunate that we have a rock star here that, you know, basically said, like we, we said to her, we're like, look, like we have this, we have this patio after this is done. I know it sounds silly now because no one's been able to sit any anywhere, but like we just want to double down and we know that we just want people in the taste room. This is what we're about. This is we want to be a community hub. We don't it doesn't feel good that great to sell kegged beer to to Nanaimo or no offense to Nanaimo. We love you. Or, Buy our package product. <laughs> I um, thought you were gonna say Portugal. Like No, no, but it doesn't like the further the further your beer goes from you, you yeah. can't touch it, you can't see it, it doesn't feel as great, right? And then I've been I've been to those places and I'm like, oh yeah, I'll have that. And and then you're like, Ooh, this has been sitting in this line for well, quite that, a while, hasn't the, it? That's so, the thing, right? Because yeah. if you're going to, to Nanaimo or Up Island or if you're going to the interior or wherever, like you're drinking local beer. Yeah. Though. That's why you go, right? Yeah. And so like, like 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 why do you go on holiday and eat McDonald's in like Italy, right? Hundred percent, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, and so, I mean like McDonald's in other countries is pretty interesting sometimes. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But every night, no. Yeah. So the, so she was like, you know, if if there was ever going to be a time where you could go to the city and say, we want more people in here, uh, now would be it, right? Yeah, and yeah. because they're looking at recovery, right? Like they want businesses to survive and they want businesses to thrive so that other businesses come here to, to take those spots of the businesses that did not survive, right? Yeah, and so yeah. it was really a, from her encouragement to be like, apply to keep this patio. Apply to keep the other patio. Apply to get as many people in the place as you possibly can. And in order to do that, we need another washroom. And so it has been a process. I applied in September of 2020. And here we are in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it's because it is a process. It is still the city after all. But, yeah, and yeah. The, and the province too. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 And, Forgot we uh, needed them involved. Yeah. As well. yeah. And so, <laughs> admittedly, and I'll uh, I'll give the city a break on this. The city goes through its due process, which I know how long that takes, yeah. and it takes about three to three to four months from getting it through council. Getting got to do three readings. You got to go through public consultation. It's a it's a process. But all for a toilet. But when you get it, it better be toi- a damn good yeah, toilet. It's there better toilet. be a bidet attached to this thing. It's for what the toilet gives us, which is going from 50 people to 100 people yeah. that oh, wow. we'll be able to have here. And so that's really what it comes down to. And so went through, but then you go to the province and you don't know how long that's going to take. No. Because it depends on how many applications they have. It depends on what's happening. Also, the pandemic. They seem to have made the wise choice to like bundle in marijuana in oh, with the alcohol guys for sure. too. So, right? Yeah. And so... Yeah. So yeah, so basically we applied for this and it's gone through and we're we're approved. And the biggest challenge we had is that was the building permit really to get it through took time. And so here we are. We thought we were going to start construction in October, but it's April. We're ripping the bandit off now. So we're adding a washroom and then we are, we're going to take out half of our cold room and expand for more people to sit there. We are going to add a outside, another outside little space. There's planter box when you come in. That'll actually be a, like a high top table over top of the planter box. So it'll be able to sit there and which would be nice because it's covered. So in the wintertime, we get some heaters and stuff going on. So yeah, we will have, when everything's said and done and approved, we'll have occupancy for a hundred total. 
um, and 89 people inside, which will be wild because it's gonna be bumping. It will be bumping. How many up mm. here on the mezzanine, though? Right. <laughs> 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 we can't talk about the mez. No. Uh, um, yeah. No. It'll, it'll be a bumping spot. So back in the day, when when I mean, people forget this, but like when Steel and Oak started and Four Winds and Thirty Three and all those guys, like a lounge endorsement, which is what we technically all have, which allows us to operate like a bar, wasn't a thing. So we had yep. tasting room licenses. This is also back in the day when you were doing bombers. For sure. Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> we still do them on occasion, six times a year. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so the shitty thing was, is you can only get a 12-ounce glass or 12-ounce pour or beer at a time. The great thing about it is, is you didn't have an occupancy rule. So because it was just a tasting room, they didn't care how many bathrooms you had. for. So you, in the early days, we would just ram this place with people all drinking one beer at a time yeah. and then leaving. Uh, but yeah, and it was like, it was wild. Like people would move the tables out of the way and dance. It was awesome, right? So I'm hoping we can get back to that point, but legally. Yeah. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, for people listening, Chris just had one 12 ounce poured, but just onto his flannel shirt <laughs> as he took a sip. And you I, know what uh, happens? The sad, saddest part is I just washed this shirt, so right back to, into the washing machine when I get home. I just used the washroom out in the back here in between our little intermission. It's and too much just, information. I'm wondering if you're going to have as many wonderful soap options. I don't know if this is a pandemic thing, but... Is that the com- brewer's bathroom? Coming out of the brewer's bathroom, you had so many choices. Oh, there's, on the side? Yeah, there's oh, heavy-duty non-acid disinfectant, there's odor counteractant, there's heavy-duty foaming degreaser, Those are for which the- is the one I went for. <laughs> yeah, But it did an amazing job. I've heard I, good things about that one. Yeah, I'm certain there's You're just zero greasy. COVID on my hands. Those, yeah, those are the chemicals that we used to take the stuff off the floors. <laughs> is that why your hands are so soft? Is that why they're, they're slowly peeling away from your body right now? Just, just shedding a layer. Like a snake. That's like the staff was like, why don't we get a brewery cat? We're like, well, because the caustic on the ground will just like slowly burn away the cat's paws. So that's why we don't have a brewery cat. So let me know how your hands feel tomorrow. No, it's, they'll be good. I think I, think, I, think I reached for the right one. Well, we only have one bathroom right now, so it's got to be deluxe with all the fixings. So yeah, there's actually a hole in it right now. I don't know if you saw that into the tasting room. No, should I be concerned? <laughs> I thought it was odd when someone was waving to me, but uh, <laughs> I just waved back. It's near the it's ground. Like, no, it'll be it'll be fine. You'll be all right. That, yeah, we're in a construction mode right now. It's all good. <laughs> um, maybe shifting gears a little bit here, but I have a new daughter. She's now yeah. nine months old. Ah, congratulations! Thank you. And we were, my wife and I were, you know, going through her toys, cleaning up the other day, and we're like, we should really get her some new books. Oh. And we were kind of looking through <laughs> through her stack. We have, you know, Good Night Moon. We have well, Bear in My Chair, which is Who another classic which, yeah, she, is classic, which she hates. Yeah, she sure. can't get through that, but whatever, to each their own. So we're scrolling through Amazon, and we come across a book called Dinosaur Dance-Off. Oh, what a great plug. I owe you commission today. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was an author bio in there. I'm like, I think that's the guy we're doing the podcast with yes. this week. Yes. Uh, that's, how did that come to be? That's the thing. I hope it finally pays me so that I can get out of this industry. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> this is your ticket out. Yeah, huh? this <laughs> is kids books. Yeah, no, I, that's thank you. For, that's great. Thanks for bringing it up. I appreciate that. And uh, it's not actually not short story. It's a very long story. But thankfully, I, I like to talk. So um, it's a long story about a short story, though, right? Yeah, it is 32 pages. And I've learned that now about children's literature is that 32 pages is the magic number that you have to have in a children's book um, for a certain age category, which dinosaur dance off is written for so yeah years and years and years ago i mean maybe not years and years. i'm not that old but 
I've always liked creative writing. I used to do it a lot when I was in high school. I wanted to be a journalist and write. Uh, and I come from a family of my my mom is in was in the publishing industry, and and so tangible, physical literature and things you can write and draw on have always been kind of important to me. And so I was working my old audio production job, which I loved, and I loved the people I worked with and the company that I worked for. But I definitely was like. I was in a, a transition stage in my life. I was in my late 20s and I was like, okay, what do I, what do I actually wanna do long-term? And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, maybe I'll do some creative writing. I was at a nightclub dancing with my now wife and we were dancing to Nelly. Uh, for those of you in your late 30s, you'll know who I'm talking about. And maybe early 30s. I don't know anymore. I don't know what's cool. I don't know people. Nelly transcends to. generations. They, oh, great. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm happy to hear that. That makes me feel really good. And so I'm like, we're dancing and like, and I was in love with her. So I was like, okay, I'm going to marry this girl. And we're going to have kids together. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, are kids going to listen to hip hop? I'm like, That's so weird. Like they can't listen to this song. I'm like, and then I was like, my, my dad is really into music. So I listened to a lot of music growing up. And, but it was always like, it was, it was music from the 60s, right? So it was like, it was different, right? And and it didn't come with like the parental advisory on, on the album cover, right? So I'm like, oh man, I'm like, that's gonna be real weird. And then I woke up, I'm like, it would be really weird to have a kid's book where a kid's character dances to hip hop with his parents who are my age. And so that's where the idea came. I wrote this manuscript for this book about a dinosaur that dances to hip hop with his mom and dad. And the original version was like, definitely really hip hop focused and did it, forgot about it, put it away, started the brewery. And my, my wife and I, I mean, we, we, we tried that. We were trying to have kids for a long time. And, and so and finally we, we got pregnant and my wife, who is an interior designer and works for this architecture company in Vancouver, had a really talented architect, architect friend that worked for her or with her that was also an illustrator as a gift for the birth of our first child, Jude. She had this book illustrated for me bound, printed, totally forgotten about it, gave it to me at Christmas, best thing I ever received. Tears, just like, it was, it was, it was, even talking about it, it gets me emotional. I was an this, epic gift. It was incredible. Yeah. It was the best thing, a best gift I'd ever received. And so she got like a hundred printed up for me. We sold some at the brewery. A friend of mine owned a store in the US called Brick and Mortar for a while, and so we sold some there. And I'd give it to friends when they'd have kids. And, you know, so it was a, it was a fun thing. It was called Darwin the Dinosaur back then. Fast forward maybe like, I don't know, two or three years, my mom retires from publishing. And, and of course, as all good moms do, no matter how old you get, she's like, this book's so good. This should be published. It should be published. It shouldn't be a self-published thing. I'm like, sure, mom, whatever. Yeah, thanks, mom. Yeah, and like, appreciate that. She's like, it is so good. And she's like, I know I'm in publishing. I'm like, sure, okay. Anyways, so she was like, the Vancouver Sun had come out with a list of all the children's publishers in Canada. I don't know why they were selling books. It was spring or whatever. She's like, would you be okay if I took copies of Darwin and sent them to publishers for you? And I was like, sure, whatever you want to do to keep you occupied during your retirement. Yeah, you got time on your hands, yeah. mom. Yeah. And so she sent it to every single children's publisher in Canada with a letter. So this is the hilarious part is she sends my book with a letter from my mom, like <laughs> as my mom, yeah. not as like not a you. fake agent, not yeah. as like yeah. as my mother. And I'm like 35 at this point. And... And sure enough, I get an email. I get an email from my my now editor, Ella, and Ella Russell, who, and Ella, I mean, Ella's gotta be, I mean, they're definitely in their 20s for sure. But, 
And Ella writes back, I got a, this letter from your mom. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and, um, and they're like, and, 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 and they said, like, we really like Darwin. We want to, we want to publish it. I'm like, great. So then started this three-year process of editing it, making it 32 pages, because that's what kids' books need to be. It started. Yeah. Oh, I think it probably started like 18 or 20. Yeah, so we had to I thought you were going to say like 72. No, yeah. like, no that no. is like a well, long dance-off. Yeah. The first volume was 360 pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right. It was actually a series of short stories. You don't normally edit it up, right? You'd edit it down, right? So yeah, so anyways, yeah, that's, thanks for bringing that up. That's cool. And, and yeah, so, and thankfully, like a lot of times with publishing agencies, they'll bring in their own illustrators, but they really like the illustrations that Sarah had done on the original book. So it was her first picture book too, which is really cool because she's actually talented. And so it came out, I mean, from our recording date of this podcast about three weeks ago. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Well, congrats. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Man. Yeah. I feel like that letter from your mom is key to this success yeah. too, right? I feel like, like that's memorable, right? Like what better? You don't want a letter from an agent. You want a letter. Kids book is about a relationship between a child and their parent, right? Well, that's well, a great well, way to well, put we it. What we should ask is, is your mom your agent? <laughs> no, but this you know what? She's not retired anymore. No, but you know what? In all fairness to her, and this is no shit, she should be. She's she's cutthroat as hell. She should definitely be my agent. But the funny part is, is so like the this book is just about a parent and and parents and their and their their dinosaur their son dinosaur. But to make it a longer book, Ella, my illustrator or my editor, was like, we want you to introduce a grandma into the book. I'm like, oh, this is perfect because. Now my mom is going to think I wrote her into the book. And, <laughs> Thanks, um, mom. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, so it's, it's, it's great. A little less hip-hop, more multi-generational. And the one thing I learned about kids' books is they actually sell most kids' books to libraries throughout North America. So it should be in most a lot of libraries throughout Owl Kids, who's my publisher. 70% of their customers are actually in the U.S. So you should be able to get it up here. Get it on Amazon, Indigo. From Al Kids directly. Thanks for letting me plug my book. Of course. Get me out of the beer industry. Get me into children's literature where the real money's at. Well, so do you have another one brewing? So it is on. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's good. You, uh, you did not. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it is on my goal list for the end of the year to write another one. And only because I went through this process, it was long. And then I was on this author's panel, which I felt like a total, you know, a, a rookie and somebody that was shouldn't have been on it. And there's all these other children's authors that have written like 25 books. And, but it's like anything in life, it's about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And so I sent a nice note to my editor, Ella, um, who had also actually written their first picture book. And they were like, if you want to, you have another idea, like, let's, let's talk about it and let's go through it and I'll edit it. And like, just open the door to be able to be like, look, if you want to do something more, you don't have to get your mom to write a letter to, to sell it anymore. Like but it might help. Yeah, the, yeah. The door is at least open that if the idea is good, we can run with it, right? So when that happened, I was like, okay, well, I like writing. This might not be as difficult as it was the first go around. Worst case scenario, I take a shot at it, and and Ella kindly says this is shit, and I'm on my way. But yeah. I think I'll write another one. I'll write another one by the end. It's got to be helpful having two young kids too, because you can run, you know, all the ideas by them. Mm -hmm. I'd write it differently now having kids, right? Yeah. Like I wrote yeah. it when I didn't have children, right? So you yeah. write it from a, an adult's point of view. Yeah. And so, but now I would definitely, they would just tell me they loved it anyways. So they would be terrible actually, because they'd be like, oh, it's great, dad. 
<laughs> my youngest one would be like, you got to say poo-poo more in it. You cannot <laughs> do that in this book. Yes. My Note taken. I think we've now come to that point in the episode, everybody. It's everybody's favorite segment. Time for Luke's moments of oh, wisdom. Jeez. What, what, what do you have for us today, Luke? Well, maybe to keep on brand with, you know, we're talking poop talk and you then talk bathrooms. You talk about poop a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I feel when like. did I talk about poop? Well, if it's not baby poop, it's cat poop. I guess I did mention those. But anyways, if we're on the bathroom topic, since we were just talking about the bathroom expansion here, I'm doing a reno at my place too of our, our bathroom. And I guess my word of wisdom this week would be baseboard heaters are usually on a different circuit than everything else. Um, we just took a baseboard out of our bathroom and I was looking through our electrical panel and I was like, I don't need to spend 15 bucks on one of those voltage checkers. Like this is a, is a labeled here. There's a few sticky notes from the seventies or whatever this place <laughs> went up. The pen marks are faded, but they're there. Yeah, and yeah. one of them said master bathroom. So I flipped that switch. I'm going to go take this baseboard heater out, unwired it, hooked it all or, you know, Pulled the whole thing off, threw it in the trash, and then I'm left with these these intimidating wires staring at me from underneath the drywall. And they're super far come sticking out because they're all attached to the heater. So I took my pliers and I just chopped them back. I was thought you were going to say you got your nine-month-old to come and try and do it for <laughs> you. <laughs> hey, you Luna. tested first. Get over here. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to spend 15 bucks. She's already here. <laughs> But this thing blew up in my face. It was shocking. Luckily, it wasn't. I mean, I think it's just like a 120. Yeah, you got zapped, though. So I'm I'm not like moving an oven plug or something, but it was definitely a shock. And I think electricity is one of those things you don't fuck around with. No, no, no. no, I've gotten zapped. We were in an old house and same things. Things aren't labeled well. And like we haven't changed the labeling on the panel. So it says like Hez's bedroom. Well, we don't have anybody in our house named Hez. I don't know who (laughs) Hez's bedroom is. And so I'm like just guessing which one is Hez's bedroom because I've been. <laughs> like if I, I was a Hez, I, I haven't. I probably won't label it here. Yeah, and so I'm definitely zapped my, myself. I had like I got a friend that's an electrician, and like I remember we were redoing our kitchen, and he came over to do some electrical work. <laughs> I remember him. He was like looking down this panel. He had some wires out, and he had his. He was, but he was like kind of looking with his screwdriver, and they're just like. And his like hand just flew back like this screwdriver on the ground. I'm like, you do this for a living, man. Like, <laughs> oh, geez. what are you doing? Yeah. But I think that's, yeah, you know what? I think because it's normally your panel is further than you want it to be. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to have to go back yeah. there. I, I'll take the chance. <sighs> Mine's probably about 20 steps where the baseboard <laughs> was. But, and for for clarification, it was labeled, labeled properly. It was just further down the list. Ah. So I stopped that master bathroom. I'm like, uh, that's going to cover it. It so, didn't. So, so what's your capacity at once you finish this reno here? Once we're in there, we'll probably fit about 100 in the <laughs> condo. Nice. That's going to be a party. Move the tables out of the way and get dancing. That's yeah. great. Christmas parties are going to get a little bit more lit. Yeah, we canceled. We normally have a little Christmas cocktail shindig. Yeah. Where we all pretend we know how to make cocktails, but then people just end up drinking straight, like, booze, straight yeah. gin and yeah. chasing it with vermouth. You're selling but, yourself short. You're you're pretty good at um, cocktails. But yeah, we had to cancel this year because again, the you know COVID right pre Christmas yeah. there shut it all down. But we're gonna do a little Christmas in July, I think, Sweet. sort of thing. Cool. But yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time. Excellent. Bathroom, that bathroom, bathroom capacity. Yeah. Perfect. But cold because no heaters. <laughs> it's okay. You don't need them. What a great app. What a great part of your this is the best part of the whole podcast the now jordan you've been the best part of, of this no, whole that's podcast bullshit. Right? It's, <laughs> the, it's the wisdom hour or whatever yeah, the moments of wisdom yeah Luke's ah, moments that's of wisdom. great yeah, yeah. but no uh, but jordan thank you so much no thank you guys yeah thank you so much for having us. appreciate it no, yeah thanks for sharing yeah. 
And love love you guys as a company too. And it's it's great to see that you weathered the storm here. So appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, I wish you guys all the best here, man. Thank you. Thank and you. on the island. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and and making the time to come out on my schedule. I really appreciate it. So. Yeah. Of course. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys.